welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. It is the coaching carousel spinning round and round and round. We've got uh, college football playoff debates um, and, you know, we had to go talk to somebody who was right in the middle of one of the biggest stories in college football in 2017. Dennis Dodd, got to bring him on the on the podcast right now. Dennis, you were in South Bend. You were all you had like a, a two part story for uh, CBSSports.com talking about you know what was going on with this particular team with Brian Kelly with uh, you know what a college football playoff with Notre Dame might look like and then as you were an analyst on SEC Live uh, prior to Florida and South Carolina uh, you had a great call about the Miami Notre Dame game you said after being with this team they play in a lot of big games but I don't think that they know what they're getting into at Miami. You know what? Let's let's take take me through your time at Notre Dame. You know what what stood out to you and what brought you to that kind of conclusion? Well, it it was just the fact that Brian Kelly was trying to make this. Oh, this is just another game, which it on its surface is okay and what every every coach wants to do. But having seen, I mean, you guys have seen how long it's been at Miami and having covered Miami games and been down there, and our 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 office is down there, so we're enmeshed in a lot of uh Kane stuff i don't know if they you know just the fact that they sold out uh hard rock stadium was was a big deal to me because they hardly ever do it and i think the fans saw this as a turning point and that that was just an observation i look i didn't i i thought miami would win the game going in uh notre dame was supremely confident but i thought it was strange going into the game that they they wanted to throw with a 53% passer in Brandon Wimbush and obviously it cost them. So, and then, and then things just snowballed. Uh, but I, 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 that's what I got from Notre Dame that this was just, they were going to treat it as just another game and, you know, steady as she goes, because that's how, how they, how they'd gotten there in the first place. Isn't, uh, didn't it kind of remind you in a way of that, of Notre Dame, Alabama, uh, coming out of the gate, trying to isolate Tyler Eifert against D. Milliner and trying to get cute, and then all of a sudden, uh, this big, strong, fast, physical team is just like because you tried to get cute early, it just bowled you over and created a deficit. I mean, that the bug eyes that were on Notre Dame's yeah. sideline uh, yeah. reminded me of that 2012 national championship game. There, there was that, and and for those who remember, I think the best comparison is 1985. I don't. Uh, Miami 58. Uh, Notre Dame seven, which really kicked off the rivalry because Jimmy Johnson took took advantage of really a depleted Notre Dame in the final days of Jerry Faust, and, and really needlessly put it on him. And Miami fans have never forgotten that. And the, the, again, the same type of athletes, um, at least on defense, fast, well coached. Manny Diaz, Diaz has done a great job there. Miami native Miami guys. Dad was a mayor of Miami. He created the turnover chain. Uh, and he's been at, I think I counted up six different jobs since 2006, not because he's been an itinerant coach, because he's been very good. And just, you know, continuing that at the, at Miami, but it, it just really reminded, and, and it was that way because it was the most points scored in the rivalry against Notre Dame since that 85 game. 
and largest margin of victory since that 85 game. Dennis, were you at the game? I, I was, yes. So, yeah, like, I, one of my big things, and Chip, we, we touched on it briefly in the recap on uh, Monday or Sunday, but I, I feel like Miami, more so maybe than any program in college football, if they're Miami being back is is a lot more of an intangible vibe, swagger, feeling. Um, and when I started doubting my Notre Dame pick, which I didn't doubt at all until two hours before kick. When <laughs> did you change it? I didn't, but I saw I, kept, okay. when I saw the tweets rolling in about Miami, you know, turnover chains everywhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, the the intensity around that place sounded like it was something that Miami hasn't had in a long time. And, and to me, that's like more than the undefeated record right now. That is Miami being back. Yeah. That's, I, that's curious. a good way to put it. Yeah. Or the, uh, you know, like observations of just the atmosphere and, and vibe around that place. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I got out of my car and calling it a buzz would, would not be accurate. It was more like a hum. You could just feel it throughout the whole tailgate, throughout around the stadium. That this, you know, this at least the game, uh, Miami was back to playing a big game like this. And I, I got out of my car. I, I don't know if I've ever seen this before in the parking lot. They had not only a, uh, a souvenir stand, but attached to it, a, a cold cold beer uh, cooler. You could just grab a twelve pack right there in the parking lot and, uh, and go from there. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen that in the SEC because I know it's prohibited in the SEC, but it was it was neat. And there were people just just getting after it. And when they opened the gates, they flooded in. I I, I was able to overlook one of the O ramps on the stadium. I came out of the press box when when Miami uh, walked into the stadium, whatever they call it, the the cane walk or whatever. And it it, it was a there may have been ten thousand people lined up on that path with the band and everything cheering them on. And I, I, I've got video of it. I, I don't know if I posted it on Twitter. I did on Facebook. It was pretty amazing. So do you think, uh, before we, we, we need to get on to coaching changes quickly, but yeah. do you think that Miami's run right now is sustainable? You, we've seen it twice in prime time. Now, can they do it at noon against Virginia and Pittsburgh in order to be undefeated going into that ACC championship game against Clemson? It, it would be so Miami of them to lose to Virginia or on the Friday after Thanksgiving, I think, at mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Isn't that right? Yep. Noon kickoff. You know, after, after all this, it would just be so Miami of them. Uh, you know, Larry Coker, Al Golden, you know, there, there was so many of those games um, in those years. Uh, but uh, let's assume they do. I, I guess you have to start about talking about how they match up with Clemson. And I think, Defensively, obviously, they do match up. I, I would have I would have to take a digger, deeper dive into how they can move the ball against that Clemson defense, which, you know, look hasn't been great lately. Um, so uh, Clemson would be favored, but Miami might be on this epic ride that you know none of us have ever seen in fifteen years. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's let's dig into it. We've got Tennessee now finally open. At what, and I've asked this to Barton, and we, we've kicked this around with anyone who's come on. At what part of your brain are you actually entertaining the idea that we get a couple rock star hires during this coaching cycle? And I would consider Chip Kelly a rock star hire. Yeah. I would consider John Gruden a rock star hire. What, where, where do you think this could get? 
Go ahead, Bart, and I'll, I'll follow up. Go ahead. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I, I think Chip Kelly would have been one I would have been surprised to see at Florida when we, as we entered this sort of coaching carousel. I, I, Personality-wise, he just doesn't seem like he's a fit in the SEC. He's a little bit prickly. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta jump through a lot of hoops. You got a glad hand. You gotta you know have to do a lot of that stuff in the SEC. You have to deal with a, a crazy fan base. Um, and and even at Nebraska, there's that element as well, um, which is why you know and part of me just expect Chip to try to hold out for a UCLA type of gig. But man, I don't know the. The buzz seems to be real. There seems to be some legitimate yeah. movement here. Um, and I don't believe in the John Gruden train, but who knows? Um, so, yeah, I, I guess, Dennis, where are you at in your belief that there's that there's something real happening right now with Chip Kelly? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, as we take this on, on Wednesday, there is some buzz and some real, uh, oh, I guess – uh, belief that Chip that Chip Kelly has been identified there, uh, but there's a lot of factors. You know, is is this his agent playing him against another school? Does he really want to be there? As you mentioned, he's not he's not a guy that lives for recruiting day to day, which is what those SEC fans do. Um, you know, is and I think another thing people have to think about is. If he goes to Florida, is he just a bridge coach? If he succeeds, then I would think I would think he'd probably go to the NFL. But I think that's where his heart is right now, at least at this point in his career. Whereas if you get a Scott Frost and you know identify him as your guy, a guy that wants to be there 15 or 20 years, if he gets it going, he's still young enough. He's 42 years old, so I'd have I'd have reservations. But the chip train may be if he, if he is showing interest. The chip train may be so far down the track that that that's going to happen. Um, don't don't forget these two these two Chip and uh, Scott Frost have the same agent, oh. uh, Trace Arm Trace Armstrong, and Trace Armstrong turned Joe Oliva at LSU inside out last year. I think we all remember that. Um, you know, dangling Tom Herman and uh, and getting what he wanted to wake to to wake up those Texas administrators that hey, this is real. You need to go after him now, and they did. Uh, he is a mastermind, I, I would dare say, at this sort of thing. Uh, so we'll 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 see. Um, it'd be interesting. Where does Jimbo Fisher fit into this math? Because if the chip train is on the go, yeah. and uh, the the mastermind Trace Armstrong has two of the hottest names in the the cycle, and you've got Texas A and M, who reportedly has has sort of zeroed in on Jimbo Fisher, you know where. Like, do, do you see the, the carousel impacting and all of a sudden leaving Florida State open? I think there's two parts of that. I think the part is the Jimbo train or the Jimbo thing, I think, is I haven't heard much since that initial report. I, I tend to think this is Jimbo trying to get something from Florida State that he doesn't have. So he is, A, dangling his name out there or, B, just getting some stroke. You know, there's been a, a lot of coaches. It's just like they have their name out there. Um, mentioned. The other thing is, to your first question, no, I, I don't think there are going to be enough coaches to go around for these major hires. And by that, I mean enough home run hires where the guy's going to win the press conference and be, yeah, that's the absolute right guy we want. Uh, wh- you know, what, what does Nebraska do if they don't get Scott Frost? Um, 
what you know I, I think Dan Mullen's a pretty good fit at Tennessee but who knows which way that's going to go and where does that leave Texas A&M if in fact Jimbo isn't involved there and then what about Arkansas they just fired their uh, their AD I think that tells you that you know Brett Bielma's days are numbered because they, they can't do anything there until they hire a new AD and who are they left with I think it's Mike Norvell I, I, I was told this week that that's a perfect fit and he would go uh, you know but we'll see I I just don't think uh, the musical chairs aspect of this is going to be interesting. Well, what's your read on Jeff Long at Arkansas? With him out now, does that just mean that, that Arkansas has put Brett Bielema on notice for next year? Because surely like, you can't fire an AD in November and get a coach fired and hired with, within the next two months. Can you? Or can no, you? yeah, I think you, I think you, can get, uh, you could get an interim AD. Um, although that's not the best thing when you're hiring a new coach, but you, you, you could get a new AD. We don't know if they've got somebody lined up. I was surprised by the move itself. This tells me that Jeff Long is one of the most best thought of ADs in the country. It, it tells me that, that A, he uh, didn't want to fire Brett Bielma or uh, that he couldn't be trusted by the administration to hire the next coach. And maybe both of those things since Brett Bielma's, you know, lifespan has kind of worked out there at, at Arkansas. And that that's unfortunate. I think he's very good. You go think about that. You go from one year you're the chairman of the of the selection committee and the next year you're out of a job. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty dramatic. Yeah. And, and Arkansas is a perfect example of one of those schools that if if the inventory's not there, why make a change for a guy like Brett Bielema? And I guess you have Mike Norvell who's a potential yeah that you know played at Central Arkansas and um, would would be interested, but this seems to me like a situation where it makes sense for them to wait. I mean, Nebraska—they may not have a choice if, if Mike Riley keeps on losing the way he is, going four and eight. Oh, I, I think that I think that's done. I mean, I don't. That's you know, they've got a new AD in place, and this is uh, yeah, they're just not playing well. I think he was done when they lost Ohio State fifty-four to sixteen or whatever it was. Um, and it just continues to get worse. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, on on Mike Norvell at Arkansas, he he would probably go there if they didn't have a permanent AD. I think that's that's how committed he would be to that job. Uh, so that might not be an issue for a Mike Norvell going to Arkansas. So where does that leave Tennessee? Like, is like is Tennessee the fourth? Most, uh, I guess Tennessee going to be the one in the game of musical chairs that's that's left out here begging Dan Mullen? Yeah, and, you know, I don't think Tennessee wanted to fire Butch Jones, but it became, look, uh, they had to. It, the fans wouldn't have tolerated it. But what's their plan? Who, who have they identified as the number one guy? Uh, I, I, as I said, I think Dan Mullen would be a perfect fit there. Uh, an upgrade in, in everything, an upgrade in facilities and resources and uh, maybe not recruiting, but but maybe. Uh, and, you know, he, he's going to hit his head against the wall uh, ceiling every year in the SEC West with Nick. You go to the East, you know, yeah, you still have to play Alabama every year, but, um, you know, it, it's until further notice, it is, it is still a bit of a wide-open division. Uh, Georgia may grab hold of it here pretty soon, but I think it would be great for him. It would be great for them. They just need to figure out what they're going to do. 
Well, when was the last time Tennessee had a really good football coach, right? And and you could probably – I'd say Lane Kiffin is probably the last one, and he was only there for, what, a yeah. year. And you obviously get all the other baggage that goes along with Lane Kiffin. I think Dan Mullen, a proven football coach, if he was at Tennessee, and that's sort of what they need. There's so much around yeah. the program that could be successful. If they just had a really good football coach – Man, I, I feel like Tennessee could get back quickly with Dan Mullen. I, I, I do too. Uh, although it's been a while since they've been back, their 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 bat, last best football coach was Phil Fulmer at the turn of the century. Really, right. you think about it. You know, he won a national championship, and they were pretty consistent. And then he he was he was an eight, became an eight and four type of coach. Well, those people would kill for that now, um, to, just to be relevant again in the division. So there, you know, there's a couple of Tennessee's my my poster child for I want to put together a group of schools whose fans and, and the perception of that school is way uh, out of touch with what reality is. Tennessee is and Nebraska is in there too, but I think Nebraska realizes it's, you know, it's, it's irrelevancy is growing. Is a and on your list there? a and is definitely on the list. Tennessee is on a good day. The fifth best program in the, uh, you know, in the SEC, it's about right, isn't it? Um, they won a championship in '98. They haven't won much of anything. They haven't won the conference since then, and that's 20 years. So, you know, and how many major bowls have they gotten into and won since then? It's it's a place you've got to work hard. They've got the best of everything, but it's a state where there aren't many players, uh, typically, uh, and you've got to go outside to get them. You, you've got to work hard, and you've got to. You've got to recruit against Alabama. You've got to recruit against all those teams in that region. And you're the northernmost team from Florida and Georgia and Alabama and Auburn who, you know, you, you would hope you're going against them for players. And sometimes you aren't. Well, recruiting does require great time management skills. And if you want to practice the best time management skills when it comes to finding tickets to any kind of sporting events or concerts, I mean, come on, you know exactly what it is. Get the Seat Geek app. And if you download the Seat Geek app and enter promo code 247 today, that's promo code 247, you get 20 bucks off your first Seat Geek purchase. Seat Geek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and to make sure you get the most bang for your buck. They grade every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget and the best thing is that every single ticket is fully guaranteed. So I'm looking on the Seat Geek app right now the hurricanes are at home carolina hurricanes here in raleigh north carolina islanders are in town and i can see the best prices around i've got grades on each ticket 91 91 90 89 89 so if you want to be uh you know whether you're in section 104 or 314 you can get the most bang for your buck with the seat geek app and you can get 20 dollars off your first seat geek purchase Download the app in our promo code 24-7 today. One more time, that's promo code 24-7 for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase with the SeatGeek app. Who do you have on your radar as a job that might open that could surprise you, either by a coach that leaves or uh, perhaps a, a, another unexpected change? Uh, Ole Miss, because I think now there's a feeling that they're going to keep Matt Luke that these penalties are going to be so bad. And they should, by the way, they should drop any day, according to the timeline. 
I, I'm getting a feeling they're going to stick with Matt Luke and ride this thing out as sort of a bridge coach because I don't know if they can get anyone of substance to come who will lead them out of this. If, if say, they get they get two or three years um, postseason ban, you know, mm-hmm. and a, another one or two years postseason ban, which I'm hearing may happen. So, you know, do, there'd be people that would take that job. But Matt Luke hasn't been a failure. They're, what are they, five and five? Um, Good. And, yeah, with another win would be bowl eligible in a, in a season they know they can't go bowling. So uh, yeah, I would be surprised, I guess, right now if that would open up. Uh, maybe a Washington State, if Mike Leach wants to go somewhere, if he wants to go to one of these openings, I, I'd be surprised at that. The one that no one – like, how is UCLA getting a pass? How is Jim Mora out there getting a pass right now? Is the buyout too big? Yes. I, I was just asked that this morning by someone. I, yeah, I, I think the buyout is like $12 million, I think I've read. And they just spent – Boy, hundreds of millions of dollars on their new facility, which is, it looks great uh, on campus right there next to Poly Pavilion. Uh, you know, I frankly don't know how much money or stomach they have to go spend because it would take with that buyout twenty million to change staffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, do they give it another year where the buyout goes down? And you know, because that's a lot of debt service to to address and a lot of people to go to to pay for that. I'm getting the feeling he gets another year and, and without, you know, it's going to be without Josh Rosen. I don't know what they have coming back, but I agree with you, uh, Barton, that why aren't we talking more about Jim Mora, who is just, it's just kind of been blah, you know, it's just kind of just collapsed there. There's not really anything to build on. If you look at just sort of who deserves to be fired, he <laughs> deserves to be fired more than Jim Mora. I, I agree. With as, as as uncompetitive as they've been, as, as listless as they as they look defensively, like man, it's a it's it's bad out there right now. Yeah, it's almost like he's looking, he's all already looking at his next coordinator's job in the NFL or something like that because it's just there's no there's no buzz or excitement there. You're right about that. But there hasn't been for the Jim Mora tenure. Like most the, of it, no. Like it's Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen yeah. created it and. You know, Brett Hundley was a fun quarterback that was able to get what one win against USC in his three years yeah. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You. You. Windows. Windows open and shut for UCLA. I think that. All right. So, is it possible that the? I guess Oregon State is going to have a, a change. Obviously, mm-hmm. the ACC right now no changes unless someone leaves. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I. I don't think so. Uh, Dave Dorn it was suggested to me. Dave Dorn may look around, but I don't know if there's anything that suits him. Um, you know, if you know, this is. I guess this is a long shot. If Kansas opens, he's from Kansas, but he's really, really risking his career if he does that. You know, he's from Kansas City. He's from here. He's from nearby. Um, he's got a lot of ties here, but he's got. He got as much chance as ruining his career as getting them to a bowl if he goes to Kansas because it's been a black hole here. You guys know that. Yeah. Uh, one at one after the other. What about uh, David? Around and lose to Wake Forest this weekend, and that season goes from being a breakthrough year to disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. In in, in one week again. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, I think he. I think he stays. He stays where he is. No, yeah, Cutcliffe. More, I'm looking it up. Moore's buyout is twelve million. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's. A, no, David Cutcliffe to Tennessee. I don't think so. At age sixty-seven, I was asked about that. Um, you know, again, that would be a bridge coach because it's the same thing that applies to Nick. Uh, I'm sorry, Les Miles at age sixty-three. What what vision do you have for the program five or six years down the line when your coach is sixty-three in Les's case or sixty-seven with which Butch Davis? Unless you are looking for a bridge bridge coach and there's nobody else there to get to the next guy, David Cutcliffe would do a fine job mm. for however long he wants to coach. But you know you can see the end of the tunnel there because of his age. It's a good year to be a bridge coach, it sounds like. Yeah, I think so too. And, and, and I wrote today about some coordinators that needed to be um, – that, that were sort of ready for that next step. And I think a lot of that depends on who, which of those guys can get hired. depends on what jobs open up. Um, have you heard any buzz yet, Dennis, about coordinators that are being considered? It seems like we're, we're – we're co- we're sort of got tunnel vision right now, and, and, the, and, and granted, the jobs that are open are limited right now. We're just there's some speculation about other jobs that will come open. But uh, is there any buzz about a school that's open to, to digging into the, the coordinator ranks? I, I think you'd see it below the level we're talking about because I think Florida has to hire a sitting head coach. I think Tennessee has to hire a sitting head coach. Uh, I think Texas A&M does, uh, even if that's a Chad Morris who doesn't do much. For you know, for anybody, um, I think the schools we talked about initially are all, all should or are going to hire uh, head coaches. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, sitting head coaches. So no, I I, ha- I have not heard that sort of thing uh, much of it around. There's a lot. I'm looking at the Broyles list, and it's going to be really hard to pick the uh, the top assistant coach in the country. But there, I don't know if there's much, you know, job jobs for them to step up think about manny diaz at miami who's ultra hot right now there's just not that much for him out there unless unless uh brian uh, i'm sorry dan mullen leaves and he goes back to mississippi state where he coached you know it, it, it's funny too like if you if you look at the coaches that are really having success right now and i, I noted this in the story i wrote today kirby yeah. smart coordinator um you know scott frost who's killing it at ucf coordinator at Oregon uh, yeah. uh, Will Muschamp coordinator Lincoln Riley coordinator I know Muschamp had head coaching uh, yeah. experience but like it's 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 a little bit of a harder leap to, to take it's a little bit hard to get the fan base on board but man there's there's some really there's a lot good, of good ones those are good ones yeah could really have some success in the right spot um, yeah I mean you think of a Mike Bobo at who, who's done who's doing what Jim McElwain did and going to Colorado State the difference is he hasn't quite turned it yet. He's 20 and 17, so he's going to be – could he go somewhere? Yeah, but I don't know if there's a Power 5 job out there for him just yet because he hasn't – they, they had a brutal loss to, to uh, Boise State last week, by the way, where they blew a big lead. So he's not ready yet. Uh, the, guy, the guys that are really hot this year are defensive guys uh, for the most part. Uh, and Alex Grinch at Washington State. T. Martin is one – T. Martin is the hottest guy, and you hear him at Tennessee. Uh, that might be where they go. The offensive coordinator at USC, and obviously a hero at Tennessee, having won a national championship as a quarterback there. But I don't know how to judge him right now. It has has um, 
has the quarterback there uh, progressed? You know, I don't know. There's a lot uh, of people would say no. Well, wouldn't you say, uh, Barton, you know this better than I, but uh, T. Martin's been a primary recruiter for a long time of a lot yes. of good players, right? That dude can recruit. He's one of the best out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think T. Martin to Tennessee would be a fantastic hire for the Vols. I, I do. I do. The more I think about it. Because, I, 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 wonder, yeah. I don't know that I think the Tennessee fans would would get – I mean, I think they think that they – you know, they're – if you're going to go from John Gruden to T. Martin in, in terms of expectation, then I don't know that they would welcome that quite as much. Whether it be a good hire or not, I'm interested that you guys both think that. Well, except that, except that I don't think John Gruden was ever a reality. Well, exactly. But I'm, yeah. when we're basing on what the Tennessee fan base, oh, yeah. Landers' expectations are. Well, who, who do you think, who's number one, who's their guy? Who do you think they want? Forget Gruden because that's not happening. I, I don't think. Who do you think? Oh, they, but what if it does? Yeah. <laughs> well, if it does, it does. But I don't think. To I me, Dan Blunt makes yeah. no sense. Yeah, makes uh, no sense or most the most sense. Most sense. Okay, yeah. If if, if he could, if you would take it, um, I think if you get a guy like Mike Morvell, he would be successful. Yeah. Um, probably maybe not, maybe not as sexy enough hire yet, given that he. Yeah, inherited a pretty good setup in Memphis from Justin Fuente. I just don't like I. You know, I've heard Justin Fuente's name float around, like for as far as terms of the target. Like I don't see him leaving Virginia Tech. For that like, yeah. I don't know. I, I think Tennessee is a tough job because I think the expectations, like you mentioned, Dennis, are higher than reality. Yes. Of, of the of the perception of the job. Um, so I think a guy like Mike Norvell would do great there, and probably is is a great hire there and, and I, but and yet I think Tennessee fans would be relatively lukewarm on on that move. Uh, I think I think T Martin you have to look at it like floor ceiling. If let's say T Martin fails, whatever that means after 4 years, he can always go back to being a power 5 coordinator somewhere and because he's such a good recruiter and, and coordinator. Um you know what uh, you know he, he can Scott Frost, if he goes to Nebraska uh, and fails there, get a Florida-like job? No. Um, he's better taking the Florida job, in my opinion, uh, because he's 42. He will, have, he will have been in the state for two big jobs. Uh, if he doesn't work out there in four or five years, then he can go to Nebraska. They'll, t- they'll still take him with open arms. But I think if he goes to Nebraska – and they look they're they've whiffed on three guys now and i'm not saying he can't do the job i'm saying nebraska doesn't have the underpinnings right now to turn the corner when there's a school there's a school in their own division that's in a state capital that is sparsely populated that changes coaches all the time and it it has been in five of the last seven big 10 championship games and that's wisconsin so that's sort of a mountain to climb, but that's also the goal for Nebraska at this time. That's all. That's all they want to do is become competitive for that division. If is anybody winning? And and what are when can we start talking about Lane Kiffin as a real candidate for a real job again? Or is it this yeah, not, next no, year? No, not this year. I don't think this year. I don't think there's anything for him. Think about it. I mean, he's. He wants to get back into the power five. If he takes a group of five job, that's a new, that's a, that's a neutral slide. You know, that's a, that's an even swap. 
Um, there just isn't something there for him this year. Uh, he's he's a national coach of the year candidate. I'll say that six in a row, and you know playing FIU this week. But I don't see him at Florida or Nebraska or Tennessee or Arkansas or may, maybe Arkansas would take a shot at him. I don't know. Just to just to take a shot, but that's you know uh, Oregon State. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they would take a shot at him. No way. I don't. Cor, no way. Corvallis doesn't have enough for Lane. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you would think. Yeah, he needs. He, Although he, he's in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and he hated it. He, he, he hated being kept in the bunker. Boca much more better suits his, uh, yes. his, his current state of mind. Um, yes. All right. If you were to make this weekend, uh, our action is a little bit all over the place. Of course, the SEC has the, average, the annual SOCON week, uh, a couple of mm. ACC matchups that are a little bit interesting. Uh, as, you, as you begin to look ahead to rivalry week, who among the top college football playoff teams do you have the most confidence? If you had to put uh, $100 behind one of the teams there in the top seven or eight in the college football playoff rankings to make it to the playoff, who do you have the most confidence in right now? Auburn. Auburn? I wow. Yeah, I, th- I think they're playing at a high level. Yeah, I think Auburn beats Alabama. Um, uh, Alabama's banged up. Auburn's at home. This is the biggest game in the in the rivalry since 2013, kick six, everything's just seemed to come together at the right time. Uh, they seem to be running the ball better than Alabama. They seem to be defending the ball better than Alabama. They're healthy. Uh, I think they see it in front of them. They win. They win these three games in four weeks against top seven teams. They're in. You know, they win the SEC. They're in as a two loss team. Um, and it's. I just think that Alabama's nicked up. I don't think they're as good as we thought they were, even though they're 10-0, and 0 and I I get all that. They're number one. But I have the most confidence in them going into the rivalry week. You know, Michigan-Ohio State could go either way now that I look at it. Michigan's playing a little bit better. Uh, neither of those teams, I don't think, are going to get to the playoff. Ohio State has the best chance. But, I no, I, I, I'm on the Auburn train right now. Wow. I'm gonna have to think about this, Barton. You- yeah. You, you, the question was what? Chip, that who's who are you most confident will make the playoffs? Yeah, hundred dollars. Any of the teams there in the top eight? Who do you think is who do you think is a surefire lock to make the playoff? I don't hate that Auburn pick, but I would put my money on Oklahoma. I I still think, man, what Baker Mayfield's doing right yeah. now is I've said it. I said it. I think to you on the on the pod before, Chip. Like I don't know that there's a team, including Alabama, anywhere in college football that I would least want to play right now if I was in the playoff picture. Uh, because just how do you beat him? How do you outscore field? And, and um, he, he's, he's winning me over here week by week. Yeah. I've got I, Clemson. I said, I said, yeah, you like Clemson? Uh, to make the playoff. I don't think this is a national championship team, but I think that when they show up in Charlotte um, – that Miami team, and you know who knows what happens with Miami between now and then. But you know all of those freshmen and sophomores, and you know the the one side of it is they're you know too young to even be influenced by the stage. But the other side of it is that Miami has not been to an ACC championship game period, and Clemson has made quite a habit of not only getting there but figuring out ways to win. So I I go I go championship game experience. Uh, is uh, for Clemson over Miami, which means that I've got Clemson as my most confident team to make the playoff. I do not think they're going to win the national championship, but mm-hmm. between what they have with the Citadel, uh, South Carolina, and then Miami, 
I think that of all the teams that are in the mix, I feel the most confident that they're going to go three and zero in that run. That's well, see, I yeah, I thought you, I thought you said like, okay, who do you have the most confidence in during rivalry week? And, I, and it's kind of the same thing, but uh, yeah, you know, Clemson at South Carolina, you That's know, dangerous seven thirty, seven thirty East up, upset alert. Yeah, man, y'all are on it. Oh, <laughs> with Clemson, like. Who have they really impressed you in their beating? I mean, I know that it's a, it's a tough schedule, but you know they they messed around with Florida State, they messed around with NC State, fourteen point win over Georgia Tech, lost to Syracuse, fourteen point win over Wake Forest, you know, fourteen point win over Virginia Tech. Like, where's their? Where do they look like they're un? They're, I mean, I know you don't think they're unbeatable, but that to me, the fact that they're not that, that's that's that gives that leaves the door open. For South Carolina or Miami or someone to yeah. sneak in, and so I, not that I don't think, not that I, not that I think they will lose, but I am not super. I don't trust them a whole lot. It's a continuation of, and I, I hate the term, but I mean it, it is a continuation of the same, like excellent play in the term that I was about to use that I'm gonna stay away from is clutch gene, but it's like. They close games out. Like the the scores lined up from 2015 and 2016 are very similar to what we have in 2017, and they were 28 and two in that stretch. A lot of like you know just just figuring out ways to get a couple stops here, a couple plays there. Uh, you know, like a one the one the one big play that pops to be able to get a win. Like it, even though just the fact that Deshaun Watson is not under center is why I think that Clemson's not going to win a national championship. But there are so many other traits from the last two seasons that I think still have carried over to where I believe in this team's ability to close. There, I was at their most impressive game, arguably, September 30th at Virginia Tech. And the final score didn't indicate how dominant they were that day. What did you say? It was 14? I think it was 14 or 17. Yeah, it was 31-17. They, yeah, thirty-one seventeen, and they 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 ran the Hokies out of the building with that defense. Uh, and I have I I have concerns with that defense uh, since the Syracuse game. I'm sorry, it's I, I thought they'd be much more dominating to this point. Thirty-one to NC State. You know, Florida State is Florida State. They they could play till next March and not score a touchdown with that group they have now. But I, you know, I, I just I, I don't know why I. They just seem vulnerable to me in a big matchup, and I agree with you, Chip. I, you know, they may not win the national championship; they'll probably get there. But at South Carolina and then Miami, those are two significant challenges, uh, two weeks apart on uh, on the road and on a neutral field. So we'll we'll see. Mm, should be interesting. Uh, make sure you follow Dennis on Twitter at Dennis Dodd CBS. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Dennis, the Dodd father. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, guys. The magic bullet they now have in their holster, which they will apply. Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh make a combined 20 million this season. Those two guys alone will make 13 million more than the entire match. <laughs>